Welcome to Everyday Entrepreneurs Everywhere with your host, Chris Parker. Hello, this is Chris Parker, and we're back with Everyday Entrepreneurs Everywhere. And I have to admit that um, interviewing and speaking with Nick Van Heck um, somehow makes me a little bit nervous. And I'll explain that why, because, well, Nick has been a coach and a mentor and a guide for me um, and has been so, uh, you know, I think instrumental in my success throughout my career and have been delighted to, um, you know, actually contribute and and invited occasionally into, you know, his coaching teams, which uh, for me is is an absolute delight because I really have to stand on my toes and work with that caliber of people. Nick, would, would you please, uh, you know, our starting question is, who are you and, and what do you do and why do you do what you do? That's, uh, that's the most interesting uh, part. Well, yeah. first of all, Chris, I mean, the, the pleasure is, uh, is, uh, is shared um, to be here. Um, well, as you said, I'm Nick van Heck. I've been, uh, uh, I've been um, uh, coaching, advising, supporting business leaders in all sorts of businesses uh, over the last 25 years. Um, and um, why am I doing that? Because I'm gonna actually going to start from, from that. Mm-hmm. Is I've always been intrigued uh, since I was actually studying economics that uh, I was fascinated by the fact that some businesses seem to be having an aura of success and seem to be doing all the right things at the right moment in time with you know with the white brand products whatever whatever you can think of some of them can do that for a couple of years some of them seem to be doing that forever at least uh, that's how it sometimes feels while some other businesses who seem to be uh, run by equally smart people assumption i know it's um but certainly equally uh, educated and and seem seem to be having the same degrees also seem to be making you know putting a lot of effort and thinking behind making the right products and serving their clients etc but somehow they do not get to that place they seem to be muddling through they don't need to uh, necessarily uh, be uh, not successful, but they seem to be, you know, like average, you know, they, they don't get out of that, out of the pack, really. And I've been fascinated ever since, that's why I actually was interested in, in studying economics is how come, how, what makes the difference between one type of company versus those other types of companies? And to be honest, I haven't found a conclusive answer just yet. I, mean, I was, ho- I was hoping you were going to tell well, us the secret. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure, uh, I mean, I've got some ideas, which probably yeah. also says something about who I am and how I look at the world. Um, but uh, I find, uh, for me, this is an ongoing journey of finding out yet, uh, yet to a final level, yet to a different level, what makes that difference. But that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, because I really look at organizations as social constructions with with economic objectives and mm-hmm. i find it intriguing to be looking at both sides of the of things i mean it's a social construction in the end no matter you know how you look at a business um i mean the human aspect in in decision making and setting direction and rallying people around an idea a purpose um whatever there's there's a lot of social aspects in that we like to look at businesses as in a very rational way but 
man, they, I mean, yeah, there's many rational aspects of it, but it, it's still, fa it's a fascinating human social construction. Um, that's, that, uh, and, and secondly, there is that economic objectives, you know, there's certain, you know, there's certain rational, uh, there's certain things that, you know, one plus one is equal to two. I mean, and no matter how you look at that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's that fascinating uh, and this is why I call myself a behavioral strategist, or some people would say you're a strategic behavioralist, well, whatever, whatever angle you take. But I, I'd like to look at the psychological behavioral components of it in conjunction to the strategic business direction setting uh, components, because this, this is where I, my hypothesis is those who actually have that aura seem to be finding a way to bring this together. Mm -hmm. Where you know there's no rule book for that. There's no cookbook for it. It's 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 uh, it's 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 no probably not even fair to call it an art. It's a bit more of a how do you say this uh, craftsmanship? You know of, of mm -hmm. you know finding um, and I find that fascinating because every time you meet a new business or a new constellation, there's something else that you know that's fascinating and there's a different history, background, personalities. And still, you need to find the magic, the chemistry to make it work. So that's why I'm doing what I'm doing, because I, I like the human aspect of it. And I like things to to grow, to build, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, yeah, so that's uh, um, but, and that's how we met. And, and so, yeah. And um, yeah, we met, met quite a few years ago when I was on a, sort of an executive leadership program. And I think you, you, you and your team are actually even coordinating that whole program. Um, so share with, I guess, the audience, because I'm, I'm a bit more familiar with what, what you're doing, but, but um, your company and, and how that works with these constellations of humans to um, get them you know, moving in a different way and looking at things from a different lens. Yeah. Uh, can, you, can you describe that, you know, basically what your product and service a bit? Well, um what we like to believe is that, um, you know, um, in, in light of that social construction, we consider ourselves a bit of architects of creating the social construction that will generate the economic objectives that mm -hmm. we aspire to have. Uh, and I find it really important to put myself or ourselves as a team into the, that architecture role because there is, there is the, the owner, uh, there is the uh, the, the the builder uh, who's who, you know whose budget it is whose piece of land it actually is and who will, will make the final judgment calls but probably mm. finds it useful to have an architect who can guide him through him or her through that uh, mm. and so for me it's that continuous you know so growing is is a continuous process of becoming better because competition catches up customer requirements are, are are evolving you know what is new today tomorrow is, is taken for granted and that requires businesses to continuously grow um and as they grow and therefore become more uh, create more value for their customers they will also grow in size because more people become a fan and therefore buy the product or buy more of the product or are willing to pay more for it and as a consequence yes that will translate also in you know, numbers growth, but I don't think that's really where the growth actually comes from. The source of growth is is becoming better, is is mm -hmm. is, uh, is creating more and better value for for the customers out there. And so, what we do is, uh, you know, what what in the traditional uh, market people would actually say: you're you're a strategy consultant, you're an organizational development consultant, you're a leadership development 
consultants. Um, I cannot deny that. The answer is yes, we do all of that. Um, but I'd like to look at the, those things as interventions in, in the spirit of the space for growth mm -hmm. and uploading some sort of a growth muscle into an organization, which again has to do with how we look at the world, the opportunities we see, but also how we interact with each other, how we make decisions, how we translate them into you know actions and resources, and then how we embed it in, mm -hmm. in how we do things. And, mm -hmm. and that's a fascinating thing because it never stops. I keep saying, um, you know, this, this, there's a couple in every organization, there's a couple of moments in the year where we probably could uh, play a role, accelerate, uh, you know, the growth. Um, and, and for some organizations, we end up doing exactly that. Yeah, so um, I'm also thinking on behalf of the audience here that, that um, who might not be familiar with some of the terms, uh, you know, like strategic uh, consultants and organization design and, and behavioral, you know, strategists and things like that. So um, can, can you paint a picture of, of what maybe the, you know, maybe an existing customer or what, if it, what is your ideal customer for uh -huh. your agency? And then what do you, what would you, you know, what, what was the problem that they're having? And then how would you architect a solution for them? What, yeah. what, would, what would that look like? Well, let me, let me give maybe two extreme examples because yeah. if I pick one, it's, it's as if this one is iconic and therefore that's the only thing we do. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll take the example of a, of a scale-up organization um, that was in a, in a production. Then what they actually do is they, they make glass. Um, actually, they put not the glass for um, to put in, into frames in, in houses. And um, the company was, was bought by a couple of investors. And um, after four or five years, they were doing pretty well. But they also realized there was some untapped potential into the business. And in fact, some of the shareholders wanted to step out and some new ones wanted to step in. So we started interacting with the executive team to say, hey, how can we build a, a, a solid but also engaging investment story for how we're going to take going to take this business from where it is today to what it could become in five years from now? Mm -hmm. And so we... We, we took a whole journey where we, we start looking around what's going on in the world around, you know, what's going on in the world of construction, what's going on in the world of glass. You know, we really scanned the whole territory, but not just as in, you know, putting data, but really experiencing it ourselves. We went to see things together mm -hmm. as an executive with the executive team. And out of that, we actually find out, how oh, there's some major developments happening in the market. And then we actually started brainstorming on, at least five strategic directions we could take the company in. And uh, mm -hmm. that was already mind blowing for them. It's like, do you, are you really serious? Yeah. And, and some of them were not appealing to the executive team because they said, well, that doesn't sound sexy to me. Well, sexiness is not a criterion right now. Mm -hmm. Let's really look at what could we possibly do. We're not making a choice yet on what we're going to do, but let's at least look at what we could do with this business in the next five years. And then we scanned those five, actually, interestingly, some of them that were very unsexy at the start became much more sexy the more we started exploring them. And then we started, you know, making, so, developing some criteria and then deciding on which of those options were really valuable and which ones we decided not to take. And out of that came a really, you know, an interesting story, an investment story that was lived by that executive team. So it wasn't just, 
you know, PowerPoint sheets that were, you know, making financial projections. If you buy 100 now, we can make it into 200. Mm -hmm. Yes, there were some of that at the end. You know, if we buy 100 now, yeah. we, turn, we think we can turn it into. Yeah. Um, but it was much more, let's take them into the story of what we could make this company uh, in. Mm. And the executive team was able to relate that with a certain energy, passion, conviction, because they had lived through the entire discovery process of what do we really want to do with this business. And as a consequence, the investment, the reinvestment process, which they initially thought was going to be challenging, it actually, it was not challenging at all, because mm. they really found two investors who immediately said, well, you know what, we're going to take a bigger share because we really believe in the story. And so it became a, uh, you know, the, it was a reinvest, a refinancing of the company that was being done. And then we mobilized the management, the wider management team underneath the executive team into this. And we're guiding them towards, uh, towards really implementing this strategy now, because once you've actually agreed on this is where we're going to take this company, these are the sorts of activities and sort of products we're going to create, then we really need to make sure that we also translate that into the different ways of working that this requires and also the leadership that is needed in some pivotal roles. Mm. And so we're coaching some of those people in those pivotal roles, um, but not coaching as in we take them out of the business, you know, and we send them into a separate room for some yeah. discrete uh, coaching sessions, but much more on the job, what's going on, who are the people you need to, uh, you know, steer and guide? What are the difficult conversations you need to have, et cetera, et cetera? So really on the job so they can actually grow that business in the direction that they want to, which is, I mean, it's been a lot of fun because we also created that, that trust relationship. What it, what it feels like to me as I'm listening is, is um, it's, it's sort of you, I can't say pulled out, but you allowed them to discover from within them as, as people going back to this human yeah. or organization domain on, on to discover that there are in fact options and scenarios and then guided them to make it. And then once and it, found, it sounded like it was a very natural, almost self-evident process at some point, as opposed to sometimes when more traditional consulting companies come in, it's very analytical. They crush the numbers. They have a large deck of slides and then the, the CEO, receives this deck of slides, you know, turns to slide, you know, 512 and says, okay, we're going left. According to this slide, we're going <laughs> yeah. left. And, and people are going, what, 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 why? Because the slide says we're going left. Um, of course, that's a bit of a, you know, dramatic simplification, but, um, and, and what is the other extreme? Uh, but I think Chris, what you just said is, is um, it, it, there is again that sort of emotional, and I know this sounds is, esoteric, but it, it's actually not at all, uh, or it may sound, because uh, it's not at all. There is that sort of emotional process of really, um, you know, in that whole decision main discovery process, decision is, is it's, you know, what, am I willing to open myself to this possibility? Am I, what risk am I willing to take? Uh, if we're debating this together, uh, who's right or who's wrong? Huh? Because actually there's nobody's right or nobody's wrong because nobody can actually, you can find a lot of data, but the data will never tell you whether you will be successful with this. So mm -hmm. it, it's a very uh, judgment, it's a judgment process where individuals actually sometimes are confronted with their own way of looking at the world. So it, it's exactly in that process, which is, combined with indeed an analytical process of wait a minute 
does this make sense? I mean, this, do the numbers add up? So there is, the, both sides are actually there, uh, but it is that process. And once you've lived through it, literally, and not because you've read through the slide pack, but you lived through that process, you will have a, a far different relationship with the outcomes of that and, and how you can bring that across, in this case, to, to the investors. Yeah, and living through the process. I love those words because it's it's um because yeah, it's almost like you're in it, you know. Yeah. There's a for me. There's a there's a bit of a um, sometimes I ask people to think more how they work on their business as opposed to in the business, yeah. and um, it looks like what you do is sort of flip between the two because you can't take an, an emotional abstraction away too much because at some point you have to be in it and yeah. um and you actually actually have to live and be that change as as a, as a leader. And so it's sort of um, both sides of that. So what is the other extreme? Um, well, I'm not sure it's an other extreme, but this yeah. is uh, the, the, the other example is a business in Asia, um, mm. which you've uh, um, mm -hmm. also heard of before, Chris. Um, it's, it's a business in Asia. It's been well-established, been around for 30 years, um, uh, been growing uh, really fast over the last five years. In fact, uh, I would say there the numbers have actually grown faster than the uh, than than the organization really has um, in terms of the capabilities, mm -hmm. in terms of the human uh, uh, resources in in all aspects of that, um, and so uh, it, the whole process started with the CEO actually saying, "Hey, I'm you know I'm I'm turning 65. I uh, I feel that I don't have the energy." at least not for the next five to 10 years anymore to keep growing and building this business. Um, however, I'm not ready because I've been CEO now for more than 15 years of this business. I'm not ready to let it go either because I care so much about it. This is my baby, literally. Mm -hmm. So I, I need to find a way to make myself redundant in this business so it's easier for me to actually step down as the CEO and maybe have some sort of a board role, advisory role I will always uh, probably want to be connected to it, but I need to find a way to distance myself from that, which is, again, it's a very human uh, process mm -hmm. of a, a lady who's been building the business, being so much the figurehead of the business, but as a consequence also has to some extent become the bottleneck uh, uh, mm -hmm. in, in, in driving the growth of the business. Um and at the same time, it's also building the next generation version of their business model, of their organization, their ways of working, their leadership, um, the value they actually create for their customer base out there, because she also wants to do that at the time that the market is really changing really fast. So again, there is a, there is a business side, there is a strategy, an organizational a leadership component, and then there is the person of the CEO and her relationship with the people inside mm. the company that needs to evolve and shift, and 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 that guidance, uh, that process of you know what do we do when? Because uh, it's not as simple as, oh okay, let's create the profile of the next generation CEO. Let's find a headhunter and just find the person who can be your successor. Oof, yeah, that will be part of it, and it already mm. has been part of it, partially by finding a successor for her for the biggest business unit. But we first, I mean, we started with creating sort of like the image of what, what does the next generation uh, version of this company look like business-wise, organization-wise, mm -hmm. leadership-wise. Um, 
how could we how do we create stronger teams that can take more responsibility and ownership for major parts of the business which makes it easier for somebody else to step in we selected the her successor uh, we've coached the successor helped him to create his team uh, we're now coaching and helping the the next level down uh, in that business to take on a bigger role as the company has actually grown so again it has business components to mm. it it's organizational and and that's been a process been going on for three years now it's not over and done um, um, because she still hasn't stepped down as the CEO mm. of the group our but she has actually stepped down as the CEO of the biggest business unit which is one of the things we've done we've created business units in the organization anyway so it's a fascinating story and it's in a completely different culture Asia so all of that is, is fascinating of itself but this is again this is an yeah. established business stock listed on the local stock exchange which is very different from that the scale up I was talking about earlier but once you actually scratch beyond the surface you will actually find that many of the issues and challenges well I'm not going to say this the, the same but the, the, again, the intertwined human business components of it, there's a lot of similarities you will yeah. actually find. And this is just yeah. another example of something we've, uh, we've, we're still involved in. Um, yeah, and thank you before for inviting me to be, participate in a small way in that, in that team and having been there with you. When right. I look back, um, what, I, what I was impressed with about the people that we were working with and there was, I don't know, 40, 50 people, you know, in, in that whole process, actually more, because there was two groups. Um, this company is not failing now, you know, financially. It, it, you know, it, it seems to be doing quite well. Yeah, quite well. And they have the foresight to know that they have to reimagine themselves because the market's changing and they're changing and their customers are changing. Um, so it was, it was a, just a really nice professional blend of, we know we're okay and we are really hungry to discover more. And they, they, they were all just leaning into some of these exercises and techniques and, and things. Sure. It was just a delight to be there. So, um, I think Chris, this is, this is, um, it's interesting that you mentioned that because indeed, if you would look at this from the outside and, and, and again, you would even look at the share price and all the numbers, you would actually say business is in good shape. And it is. In many aspects, it actually is. But the people inside, they, they do feel some of the pain of where they are at this moment mm -hmm. in time. And this sounds very negative, but I mean, like, they feel like, come on, there must be a better way of actually doing this. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, we, and of course, they're proud of the success and, and the image the, the brand actually has in the local market, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. But they also know that it takes blood, sweat and tears almost on a daily basis to get to that point. And they, yeah. they, they know that somehow it doesn't take much to lose the aura of success, which is yeah. sort of back to the beginning of our conversation. So, and this is when you f often find inside organizations, people in the business often ha already have the intuition. I, I, sometimes I do ask executives, I said, if you're going to be successful in five years from now, give me the two reasons why you will have been successful. If you're going to fail in the next five years, you probably already have the all. You, know, you already have the the beginning of your success as well as the beginning of your failure. You already have in you. Mm. The question is, you know, uh, uh, which one will you actually feed? 
um, and, and people inside the business already know this is going to go wrong because of this, this, and this. And they probably also know this is going to go right because of this, this, and this. And it's even fascinating that sometimes in a lot of businesses, you know, failure is not an option. It's one of those famous, you know, uh, words we like to use. And of course, in, in some way, I can relate to that because there's, there's, there's the option of, hey, we're not. But failure is, is a true option. It always is. Mm. And we often know where, where we already see the beginning of our failure, so to speak. But the question is, do, do we find the openness in the organization to actually call it that way and to mm. be dealing with, with it rather than actually pretending it's not there while everybody sees it and informally we talk about it. Um, but we never, yeah. we never get to that. I think the whole, the whole topic of failure is, in one way, failure is inevitable because to find failure, I guess, but you know, the business that exists today will not exist next year. So, so the business model right now essentially will fail. And the question is, will you adapt it? And then they keep the organization from failing. So there's all these different levels of failure. Yeah, and the absolutely. only way, the only way to adapt it is to experiment and, and learn and discover. And through learning, there are micro failures, you know, which are then called learning moments. And so it, it's, you know, so, so I absolutely. think, I think um, if, if I'm, you know, listening to this and, and trying to summarize it, it sounds like you, like what you really do is uh, enable people in leadership mm -hmm. roles to look at things slightly differently and then take action, sort of create that confidence within themselves to actually not only see new opportunities or new risks and then take action based on these new insights. So, which is... That's a... That's a Pretty cool summary. Uh, yeah. I agree. Uh, I mean, we and I, you know, you know, you know me. I mean, I, I like you know sort of concepts. Although I try not to get to, uh, to get carried away by them too much. Um, but that's what I, I would call that growth flywheel is about. You know, seeing, discover. I mean, am, what am I seeing? What needs to be seen? Um, deciding because I can see many things, but some businesses actually fail to say, and therefore, what does that mean for what we need to do mm -hmm. or what we stop doing? Because that is one of the things uh, that we find hard to do. Huh? We'd like to be many things to many people, but sometimes we just can't. Um, so decision. Uh, and then, then you need to try, once you've made the decision, you need to translate it into concrete actions being done and the critical path to follow. And that, that whole cycle and loop you know which which never mm. stops and therefore i don't like those sort of like yeah we make a, we make a five-year plan now no i mean this you know your competitors don't care about your time horizon you know they will do what they think they need to be doing mm. and uh you know and and also the the the, the business planning cycle and businesses that starts mm. in september and we need to get it done i mean hey they're not waiting you know they will they will do crazy things. Competitors will do crazy. Th customers will do things in February or March. They don't wait for September, October uh, mm -hmm. because you happen to have your planning cycle. In. And so yeah. it, it's that continuous process. But you're, you're exactly right. I mean, I like to look at it's our role is to make them see things, um, is to make them make up their mind as to how they want to deal with that, and then make sure that they put action behind the choices they actually make. Um, and then embed that into the organization. Right. Well, we're, we're really almost out of time, and, and um, it's not 
lost on me that you're actually sitting in a hotel and, and your lifestyle has been, tra you know, Corona has kept you at home for, for a while, which has been, it was, uh, you know, a, a probably new experience. Trip, new experience. Yeah. How do you maintain your mental and physical sanity while bouncing literally all over the world mm -hmm. and, and exposing yourselves to different cultures and, and contexts all the time? Um, I wish I could say I'm, I'm, I'm doing that well, uh, to be honest, Chris. Mm. Um, I mean, I have actually run at stages of my career into some of those issues. I need to carefully manage my energy at moments mm. in time, uh, really allow the team to take over more uh, from me or let others uh, mm. more. I, I, act, I actively work on some energy management, uh, you know, techniques that I've, I've, you know, one of my coaches and mentors have actually uh, provided to me. And what I need to, I need to, I need stimulus myself. So I need time for inspiration. Ironically, the re reason I'm here today is part of that process. I'm going to go to a different place and go out and see a museum or bike mm. or whatever. Um, Thank you. It, it's been my pleasure, Chris. Learn more at billioncom slash podcast.